the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And I'm Abby. Yes, Abby is back on the show, our Woo! sister. She is the middle, the sandwich between John and I's bread, I guess. We're the, the three musketeers of the Spees kids. So welcome back, Abby. Thank you. Thank you. Lost my voice earlier in the month, so I'm a little, uh, still a little raspy, but it's coming yeah. back. Yeah, it's kind of almost like, the, you know, vocal fry. It's really in. You know, yeah. vocal fry is really hot. <laughs> so we've, we have discussed crushes. We've discussed new kids on the block. Uh, we've, didn't we do, uh, and we did another movie with you. We, we did Newsies. Newsies, Newsies mm-hmm. way back. Yeah. So you've, you've gone all the different types of genres. Um, and then you did also, Join us on our Patreon. So that was very nice of you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so you got you got to pick. So tell everybody, what are we going to be talking today? Um, so the movie we're going to talk about is All Dogs Go to Heaven. One of my, I mean, I guess one of my favorite kind of cartoon movies yeah, growing up. The cartoon ones. I remember mm-hmm. you have us having that one. Yeah. And then the um, also a favorite TV show of mine. It's on the animal theme this yeah. this week. Um, Zoobly Zoo. That's right. We will discuss each of those properties a little bit more. I'm excited because, yes, very animal themed for those first two parts. And then John and I are going to be doing a casting, just a solo part for me and John. Um, and it's a big casting. We've got 10 plus roles that we're casting like that yeah yeah and we are gonna do uh, a movie that john and i talked like our third episode fourth episode like yeah it was like three or four or or, maybe even sooner than that and and it's gonna be a very difficult casting to reproduce we are gonna cast Mm. our own blues brothers movie uh using actors of today no one's asking for it nobody wants it (laughs) but we're gonna give it to you (laughs) so all right all dogs go to heaven came out in 1989 john could you tell us what else happened that year all right so the movie uh, was released on november 17th of 1989 the billboard top 100 single of that week was the power ballad when i see you smile by bad english When I see you smile. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. Topping the Nielsen ratings, no surprise, is The Cosby Show. Of course. Uh, a few months before this, saw the release of the game SimCity. Mm. Huge game. So many different spinoffs, so many different types of Sim things. Yep. Uh, the New York Times bestseller was a book called The Dark Half by Stephen King. Uh, it was eventually made into a movie starring Timothy Hutton, but not one of his more okay. popular ones okay and my kind of fun fact is actually i wouldn't necessarily call this one fun but it was absolutely related to uh our guest today it says before 1989 veterinary surgeons trained in the u.s were taught to ignore animal pain so until 1989 they were told to ignore it and then in 89 they're thought yeah maybe we should you know treat the pain as well (laughs) gosh that's crazy it took that long 
Yeah. yeah. Veterinary medicine has come a long way yeah. <laughs> since, yeah. since even then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was, that yeah. was 1989. All right. Well, let's uh, keep the talking dog stuff and the fun and hope oh, that veterinary thing got me sad, John. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's start with All Dogs Go to Heaven. All Dogs Go to Heaven, 1989. Uh, in part, this movie was written and directed by Don Bluth. He also did American Tale, A Land Before Time, Rockadoodle, Anastasia, a bunch of fantastic classic uh, cartoons from that era. Music was done by Ralph Burns. Uh, he was also the composer for National Lampoon's Vacation, Muppets Take Manhattan, but he also worked on some kind of classic the uh, theatrical things, cabaret, all that jazz, a chorus line, things mm. like that as well. Uh, let's talk our cast of the film. Charlie was voiced by Burt Reynolds. Uh, you know him from Smokey and the Bandit, Deliverance, Boogie Nights. Itchy was Dom DeLuise from Blazing Saddles, uh, Cannonball Run, American Tale 2. Uh, he's also a pretty famous like comedian. He's on done, done mm. a bunch of TV bits, things like that. Anne Marie is was voiced by Judith Barcy, who is from the saddest story John ever told me on this yes. entire podcast. Yep. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to tell it again? Well, yeah, I'll start off. She was the voice of Ducky in The Land Before Time. Mm-hmm. And John then retell this uh, awful story. Yeah, so this, I believe this was her actual final film mm-hmm. um, that she had done. About a year after they uh, recorded this, so it was before it came out, I believe, uh, a year after they recorded this, her and her mother were killed by her father. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. She was 10 years old. She was 10 years old. Oh my gosh. Um, and so she she had a very promising, at least voiceover career ahead oh, of man. her, and tragically cut short. Yeah. So she did uh, she did different um, some live action stuff as a kid. She was in like Jaws: The Return. I mean, that's nothing special, but right. but like her last two roles were voice roles. And when I think Ducky of the Land Before Time, which both of the, both this one and that one were posthumous, so they came out after she passed, mm-hmm. and then this film. She had so much potential. Like, holy crap, thinking... Like, she was such a perfectly good, like, kind of kid voice. Very happy-go-lucky, especially as Ducky in particular. But but both of them, it just... It just yeah. it, it gut-wrenched me when you first told me because I had no idea of that story, John. Yeah, <laughs> and I read that... Uh, I read that after she passed, Don Bluth, because they hadn't finished the film, I believe, um, kind of modeled the look of Anne-Marie a little bit a little on bit Judith. More. Okay. Yeah. This is becoming a very sad episode <laughs> so far. Jeez. <laughs> Woo, all right. Dang. <laughs> uh, Carface was voiced by Vic Tabak. Uh, he played Mel, you know, from Mel's Diner on the show Alice, and a bunch of credits from him. Uh, Killer was voiced by Charles Nelson Riley, uh, one of my personal favorites from, uh, yeah, Match Game. Uh, he was Mr. Toad in The Wind of the Willows. And I will also shout out. You gotta check out. There is a um, he did a like a one man kind of show on on stage called Life of Riley. It's phenomenal. I have it. I have it in Blu-ray. I highly recommend mm. it. Flo was voiced by uh, Lonnie Anderson, uh, most famously from WKRP in Cincinnati. Uh, she also happened to be married to Burt Reynolds over this period in her life. And then the Whippet Angel is voiced by Melba Moore. She was in the movie Hair. If you remember that one. And she also had a very substantial R&B music career. So she had written some songs that also like Aretha Franklin and some other um, pretty big name people have done. So good for her. 
Uh, when this movie came out, it competed directly with Walt Disney's The Little Mermaid. They were released on the same day. Whoa. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, the budget of this movie was $13 million and it only made $27 million. So this was not a hit, mm-hmm. at least not a hit on in theaters. Right. Uh, c- compared to Little Mermaid, which is a $40 million budget, and it made $211 million in the box office. Sure. Uh, much better. But it had a strong promotional campaign um, with people picking it up. It was uh, on VHS. It became a top-selling release, selling over 3 million copies in its first month. So this was a big VHS sale, and that's where I remember this movie. Because, mm-hmm. Abby, this was like a, you know, this was a pretty regular rotation kind of film for us. I remember the box set. This was your film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really, I don't even remember seeing like Little Mermaid in the theaters or anything mm-hmm. like that. I feel like most of the time we were watching them at home anyway. Um, yeah, we were we were a heavy VHS and go to Blockbuster kind of, you know, yeah. or, or uh, you know, Hollywood video or whatever it was at the time. Um, and, you know, yeah. each kid would kind of have a different, you know, movie that they got yep. to pick, you know, for yep. the night. So, <laughs> yeah, but we this was one of them that we did own. So due to the success, particularly from the home video performance, uh, there were some follow-up stuff. Uh, there was the theatrical sequel, All Dogs Go to Heaven 2, that came out in 1996. Uh, Burt Reynolds did not continue as Charlie. They actually had Charlie Sheen voicing Charlie there. And there was a TV series, All Dogs Go to Heaven, the series that started in 96 that had three seasons and 40 episodes. And they even had a Christmas Carol uh, made-for-TV movie that came out in 98. So... I mean, it's a pretty popular kids franchise. I mean, so Abby, mm-hmm. what do you remember of other than, you know, us watching on VHS, having the VHS? You know, what was your you know attitude toward this film? I love it. I mean, even watching it again, I don't know. There are certain parts that like I, I don't think I fully understood of like mm-hmm. what was actually going on when I was little. But um, <laughs> that are actually quite sad in the movie. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh but it for me, just like the singing and I, I'm, I love musicals anyway. So like all of the singing and all of that um, and just like the compassion that he showed toward Anne-Marie, it, it was like, I mean, I actually found myself crying at the end of the movie again. Okay. So um, I love, yeah, I loved it. I loved it when I was younger and I like, it was really nice okay. to watch again now. All right. Well, let's do our scene by scene breakdown. Maybe talk about some of those uh, scenes that made you laugh and cry and sad and all the things in between. All right. Sure. All right. So we meet Itchy and Charlie. Uh, They're digging kind of through a tunnel looking for a pipe. They're busting out of the pound, which kind of established that they're maybe not the most moral characters right away. So obviously it's like a jailbreak kind of thing. (laughs) They're they're getting shot at like things that like Disney right. and animation would not do like legit gunshots like at them. I'm like, shooting at dogs. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, we see that the movie is set in the Louisiana Bayou of 1939. And they go to a makeshift casino that's kind of in on this ship uh, right at the edge of a uh, water, you know, uh, right by the water. And I like this scene because this kind of immediately got back to me. They had like this rat race with this one of the dogs as being the announcers. I do remember this. This was fun. This was cute. Everybody's cheering on them. They're doing their own bets. Spectacular lineup with Mighty Morris taking an early lead. Rat Award is second by a head and Secretary Rat trailed by a half. What an amazing race, ladies and gentlemen. Out of the turn, it's Mighty Morris with Rat Award charging up from behind. In the second turn, Mighty Morris and Rat Award fighting out. In comes Charlie, and we get a song, uh, and he's kind of bringing luck with him. And the song is, you can't keep a good dog down. 
Oh, you can't keep a good dog down. No, sir. Oh, you can't keep a good dog down. I've seen pain and hurt. That's right. I've eaten dirt. That's true. It's hard to buy, but even I've been jilted by a skirt. He lied. Look how I'm still around. <laughs> Cause you can't keep a good dog down. Yeah. Bert, <laughs> go ahead, Abby. No, it just, that's like one of my favorite songs in the whole movie. I loved uh, it. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, I heard it and I kind of, I, I, I knew that there was musical aspects, but I think I remember why I kind of blocked out some of these songs because Burt Reynolds can't sing for shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I uh, up until this point, I completely forgot that there was even songs in the movie. Oh, and I, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of in agreement with with Adam. Like <sighs> Burt Reynolds did not do a good job singing on this. Track. I think it just was the nostalgia of it sure. for me. Sure. Yeah. 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 yeah of course. I mean, a lot of things we talk about today did not have great singers in them. Mm, no, <laughs> no, not at all. So uh, by the end of the song, we meet uh, Killer, whose Carface is lackey. We find out that Charlie uh, was Carface's partner back in the day before he got put to the pound. Um, but apparently Carface and Killer schemed to put him in the pound in the first place. And they were kind of backstabbing, backstabbing him, which Charlie doesn't know at this point. So... Charlie talks to Carface, uh, but Itchy overhears uh, Killer talking to some people that they're going to kill Charlie. They're going to snuff him out. So uh, at Mardi Gras, Carface gets Charlie drunk again. Uh, all the alcohol drinking in this one, <laughs> the guns and the alcohol drinking is just, uh, I mean, I mean, it doesn't bother me. I grew up with this stuff. I think it's, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but like nowadays yeah. they would stay so Way far away, away from, from that. that. Yeah. 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 Uh, Carface gives him a pocket watch. That he happens to, to have as a little gift of getting out of the pound and whatnot. And then they set him up on a dock and push a car over him. <laughs> that runs him over. So oh. he gets uh, he gets killed uh, into the dock. We uh, cut to Charlie flying. He's going to heaven. Uh, why heaven? Because all dogs go to heaven is what we are told. Because they don't, they're not inherently evil. And we get some singing and explanation by the Whippet Angel and another song. I don't want to die. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. I was double crossed by a dirty rat. Actually, this rat was a dog, but his car ran me down. I just blew out of jail. I just got back to town. Hey, this is hard to explain. May I speak to your superior? Because I don't want to die. Welcome to doing whatever you, you wish. You got the wrong guy. Laughing and singing all day. Hey. My only other note for this other song is the Whippet Angel sings wonderfully. Yeah. But I wrote down Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds really can't sing. It's, <laughs> it's all I wrote down. So we see different watches or clocks represent the lives of the dog. So in heaven, you know, every dog has its own clock. And so when it, the clock runs out, uh, they their time is done on Earth. I did notice, I think just a little can't, a little. Uh, Easter egg there as we're as we're painting through some of the different clocks. There was a little like uh, wristwatch that had a little Mickey on it, like a little huh. Mickey Mouse. Even though this was not a Disney film, um, I think just a kind of alluding to you know probably the competition between Don Bluth and uh, and Disney. So I thought that was funny. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But during, um, during that scene, I made both of my kids watch this with us, and uh, during that scene, my daughter uh, kind of weird looking at her face, and she finally asked me, she goes, "What's a whippet?" <laughs> I, I, and I, she goes it's, it's, she she actually said she goes she looks like a greyhound I'm like well that's because whippets are related to greyhounds it's a type of dog and she's like, oh, yeah, they're okay. just smaller yeah. they're just smaller 
She hasn't been reading the zoo books I bought her then, huh? (laughs) (laughs) It is so, it is interesting to me, like all of the um, different breeds and what Mm -hmm. type of character they made each different breed. Um, so. So, yeah. Whippet, very kind of like thin dog, so kind of angelic. Um, Carface is definitely like a bulldog. Or pit bull. To or, me, yeah, he looked something. like almost like kind of like a pit bull a little bit. Um, okay. And uh, especially Charlie's with the, his cropped ears. Yeah, yeah, the cropped so, ears. I can see that. Yeah. And like there's a lot of, as far as um, pit bulls and, and that they're, you know, supposedly these mean and bad and, you know, horrible dogs that honestly most of them are just babies <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's how they are perceived by a lot of mm-hmm. people so, i yeah. i just recently found out that they're outlawed in in like england oh really oh yeah yeah the you whole, can't you can't have them at all i mean a lot of a lot of cities have pit bull bands and that's actually why i ended up finding a new home for the dog that i had for a little bit in LA because when I moved to Denver, Denver the city had a pit bull ban, mm. and they could uh, euthanize on site if they felt the need. Which uh, you know, I, I they probably I have, wouldn't have. We shouldn't and, get into this because I have a lot of yeah. opinions about this <laughs> we're gonna, subject. We're, <laughs> we're gonna get angry and sad and all the all the bad stuff. So yeah, not good. Uh, all right. So uh, Charlie kind of turns on his charm with the uh, angel. We kind of see he's a smooth talker for sure. That's how he kind of you know he's a con man to an extent, and he. Uh, ends up dancing with her, and he sings about needing a thrill and not knowing what's coming, and a whole nother kind of song happens with that. Today there's sun, they said there'd be snow. When all said and done, it's fun not to know. What keeps my heart humming is guessing what's coming. Let me be surprised. Uh, but what he ends up doing is kind of a distraction. He gets his watch back eventually because he wants to wind it back up so he can give himself more time on earth. So that's all he needs to do. So it, it happens. He is taken back down, uh, but she warns him. You can never come back. You can never come back. You can never come back. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Except he can. <laughs> and he does. <laughs> And that's bullshit, but okay. Well, he first goes to hell. <laughs> well, yeah, he does go to hell and we'll get there. But you're right. But, you know, never. And he does. Yeah. So she's yeah. wrong. She's wrong. All right. She's she wrong, didn't know. It's never happened before. She, Nobody's wanting to talk back before. Yeah. None of the dogs have, uh, you know, proven, you know, proven that they are actually kind hearted. You know, mm-hmm. all the dogs. Before. Right. So, all right. Okay. Charlie returns. And now this time he's got this new, this other watch around his neck and, uh, Charlie goes home and finds Itchy distraught and freaks out, you know, that Charlie's alive, thinking he, thinking he's dead or a ghost or whatnot. Uh, but Charlie calms him down and wants to figure out how do they get back at, Scar- at Carface. Itchy mentions that they even have a monster that they heard about that this Carface has. So Charlie's like, OK, all right, let's think of a pain. Let's go. Let's see what this monster is. So they go to see the monster. And it's just this little kid, an adorable little kid. We, he keeps her locked up because she can talk to animals and talk to rats. And so with those rat races we saw earlier, there was even a little kind of comment. One of the uh, losing dogs, you know, just on the side mentioned, I think it's rigged, but it's not particularly rigged. But she talks to the rats, which gives Carface, you know, pretty much the answer as to who will win the races. So he wins all these, you know, all this money from the casinos because of that. So uh, Charlie sees this. And of course, 
he is just as kind of corrupt as Carface. He sees her as an opportunity to make money. So he's going to kidnap uh, slash rescue her, as he puts it. <laughs> so uh, so Charlie talks to her. She's an orphan. Her name is Anne-Marie. They end up sneaking her out via the air duct, and Carface finds out, of course, he's pissed. So he's got to try and go track them down. Uh, they hide the kid in the junkyard in a car there, and the plan is take her. The plan is to take her to the horse track to make a fortune. Uh, she is just the most innocent, adorable, and this is also the thing. Just like with mm. with Judith's voice, like she just has such a perfectly adorable, innocent sound to her. Mm-hmm. Charlie, would you please tuck me in, please? <laughs> Where it's just like you know, she the girl just you know she's just looking for a family. She's just looking to be loved, and you know she can't sleep up front. You know, Charlie, I can't sleep up here. So she goes back and she gets the pet her pillows, and Charlie's just kind of annoyed by it all, but. You know, she wants to find a mommy and daddy and and all this stuff. So we kind of setting up her story. And that's where you get her nickname. Squeaker. 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 Yeah, it's it's Squeaker because she's just constantly squeaking squeaking around in the front seat and she won't Mm -hmm. she won't stop moving. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) She is. She's Uh, just so innocent, though. Like, you can't help but love her. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, John, uh, as as the only of us that are actually a parent, I thought this line at the very is the end of that very little scene where she can't go to sleep and all that stuff. And then we kind of pull out to the wide and she says, Charlie, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I just because he just keeps annoying her. She can't go to sleep. And then, of course, tack it all in. Uh, they have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, like, it just it, it happens ha- every time and always every at the time. worst possible time. Every <laughs> about, time. About to start a road trip. Two minutes in. I, gotta I, I cannot tell you the number of times that one of my kids has said, I have to go to the bathroom as we pass a, like an exit on the highway where there was clearly like stops, like we had just passed it. And like <laughs> there'll be a sign immediately that's like no service for 100 miles or something like it. Like it happens every time like clockwork. Yeah. Yeah. They see it and they and it makes them think like, oh yeah, I probably do have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, and then unfortunately, <laughs> we either have to like find a way to turn around, or in some instances, just pull over to the side of the side road. Side of the road. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the boys, Gatorade bottles are always helpful. <laughs> Keep around. Yeah. So I've, I've had to do that before too. Essential road travel. That is yeah. how it goes. So all right, uh, at the stables the next day, Anne Marie is talking to the different horses but she can tell charlie is just like carface and he's only using her you know to get uh the the scoop on who's gonna win but charlie lies he cons his way and says they're gonna give the money to the poor oh yeah like robin hood and so she's like okay so this is for a good cause and the mommy the money's gonna help them help her find a mommy and daddy so she you know gets uh, manipulated into helping and we find out that it's a uh, one of the old horses birthdays uh this uh Old Chahi is gonna is is the horse that they're gonna allow to win the other horses because it's his birthday. So you know what? That's what's gonna happen. So uh, the dogs, of course, need to find some money, and so they go around the streets looking for money. They end up hustling this young couple, which Anne Marie actually thinks Itchy and Charlie are trying to to help them be her new parents, but you know Itchy's pretending to be heard or whatnot and so uh, and ultimately charlie's only caring for himself and they end up stealing the couple's wallet that's how they get uh their money for this so they place a bet which i once once they got into the cut and they're all standing on top so it's <laughs> charlie's the base itchy's the middle i think mm-hmm. yeah. and then Anne marie on top with a big overcoat and a hat and a fake mustache you know that looks just those obnoxiously fake but I'm like, ah, oh, this was this was cute as a kid. I remember thinking this was cute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So it's just funny. They they end up making the bet on the, the Grand Chahi horse, which it does run and it does win in kind of, you know, ridiculous fashion and whatnot. So uh, they make a buttload of money. And then we get a whole little montage here of them making money thanks to Anne-Marie's abilities of, you know, talking to different animals on placing different bets. And then they end up making their own place, Charlie's place, uh, their own casino of their own because of uh, how well they're doing. But Anne-Marie, you know, she's upset and she's leaving because Charlie hasn't done anything that he's promised. He hasn't helped her find any parent, find her parents, hasn't really given anything to the poor. So Charlie, like usual, talks his way out of it. Uh, so he's going to find a way to, to keep her there. Meanwhile, Carface is about to kill Killer for not finding Charlie and just kind of overall screwing up. But Killer comes up with a plan because he's got a gun. He has a Flash Gordon thermoatomic ray gun, and that's what he's going to use to kill Charlie. You know, they're trying to think of all these different methods because they thought they killed him before. And so he can do that. Uh, and we see Charlie is trying to, you know, make up to Anne-Marie a little bit. So they're giving pizza to these little orphanage dogs. Uh, and we meet Flo, who is a, a she. What is she? She's a, not a She's a collie. She's a collie. Yeah. She's a collie. And, you know, she's the love interest for Charlie. And we get the song, What's Mine is Yours. What's mine is yours. What's yours is mine. The more you share, the more the sun will shine. Everybody, what's mine is And I'll say this one actually, this one kind of definitely clicked in when I was watching. Oh, yeah, I remember this song. You know, this is this was the part that I was like, oh yeah, yeah. This is this is the most one of the more recognizable ones for me. Yeah, so, I didn't yeah. think Burt Reynolds did a horrible job with that song, honestly. <laughs> no. Oh. Okay. <laughs> He's not like a beautiful singer, but. No. And this was, was before still... auto tune could really help him even better. Oh. It's. I mean, it's but catchy. It have to be. A, it was, it's, it's still catchy. Sure. Yeah, sure. He doesn't have to be. He's a con man, that kind of thing. You know, singing isn't his his doesn't have to be the best. No. Singing. You know, this is not like a Disney movie where they got, you know, if Burt Reynolds is doing the voice, then they got like, you know, a, a awesome singer to actually do the singing voice. You know, like just letting him do it, I do think is better. Yeah. I mean, he does. It's more like talk singing. It's not, yeah. you know, it's mine is yours. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's so, fine. I mean, I <laughs> I do remember the animation of like the dogs going through all the pizza, like the yeah. little puppies eating the pizza. I always thought yeah. that was pretty good animation. Abby, is it okay to give a dog pizza? No. <laughs> no. Okay. No. I didn't think so. Because <laughs> uh, there's usually stuff on the pizza that can be toxic to them. There's a lot of fat in it, so it can cause pancreatitis, all kinds of stuff. So not ideal <laughs> for a dog. I will say one of my favorite uh, viral videos is the one of the lady who feeds her dog shredded cheese, and she just sprinkles it on. T- it's just him like lapping at it. It's funny. I will. I will have to find that. I mean, Finn gets a little piece of like string cheese every now and then. Yeah, I was saying. I, did, I don't remember. But in moderation, give, right? Didn't we give our dog Jasmine like a little like sliced cheese every so yeah. often? Especially with pills. She get like I think I sliced American cheese with her, definitely with pills. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. otherwise, we, yeah, just little pieces so, of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Mm. Right. Whatever. Is it this? Yeah. I was going to say, was that the sliced cheese that gave her the cancer that killed her? No. Oh, Adam. Wow, Adam. No, it was because she had golden retriever in her. 
Yeah, yeah, and they and they get cancers. All right, yeah. If you guys ever want to know why not to get any breed, just ask Abby. Like, oh, should I get a dachshund? She's like, no, it's gonna have back problems. Should I? Should I get a pug? No, it's gonna not be able to breed. Oh, like, just get a mutt, right? I still goldens are still my favorite. So okay, (laughs) all right. right. Well, uh, during the end of the song, Charlie ends up dropping the wallet that he had previously stolen, and Anne Marie sees it and is heartbroken that he would do that kind of thing. Uh, so she's obviously, um, you know, hurt by what he has done. Then we get a song from her fantasizing about being part of the family from the wallet that she sees. So come home to my heart when you come home, we'll never be apart if I keep dreaming of you. Uh, then. The watch uh, on Charlie's neck ticks, and we get again that warning. You can never come back. <laughs> and we get a whole night nightmare scene as Charlie goes to hell. Uh, but this is actually this was actually kind of some true nightmare fuel for kids. Looking rewatching it now, yeah. like, oh, some scary stuff. Yeah, and it, yeah, and it had like the whole like there's a big like dragon dog demon thing that might have been Satan or something. Uh, but he ends up waking up. It was just a dream. Uh, Anne Marie has left because she's going to return the wallet. So Charlie, of course, has to go after her. Uh, we cut to Anne Marie being adorable, getting fed waffles by this awesome couple. <laughs> <laughs> and she loves. Oh, yes. She really loves the waffles. You like waffles? Oh, yes. Very much. Thank you. No, thank you. This is the most beautiful house I've ever seen. Well, thank you, Anne Marie. Charlie ends up talking to her through the through the window uh, at one point, kind of, he's in the flower bed, and again, he's manipulating her. He's pretending that he's sick and that he's sad that she can't follow him or go with him, and that she's, you know, kind of ditching him. And so he manipulates her into leaving and joining. Uh, as they walk, Carface and Killer see them, and they try to kill Charlie with the atomic ray gun, and ha ha ha, madness, and it's just kind of farcical, <laughs> funny stuff. So. And he survives. And he survives, of course. He, he survives that one. So, Charlie, I mean, if that was him, like. I, you just keep you keep that watch. Of course, he keeps the watch close to him, but like keep it protected. Um, make sure it has like an automatic winder thing, like right. you know, or set to do it every time. And then I wouldn't fear anything. I jump off a cliff. It doesn't matter. I've got this wound. I'm not gonna die. If that's the only thing you know that will keep you alive, then you'll survive anything. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. I didn't think of it that way. When there's no fear of death, Abby, it's just yeah. <laughs> well. No, now, granted, at the same time, I say that, but like you can still be alive. But be like a tomato or, you know, like you jump off a cl- and you're fully busted and you can't move anything, but you're still technically alive. Yeah, that's not good. So not good. Yeah. So maybe maybe not the best methodology on my part on that one. So it's not like the cats with nine lives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they come back just fine. Yeah. And now, Abby, as a veterinarian, is there any truth to that? Do cats actually have nine lives? Um, Questionable. Questionable. <laughs> Some of them seem like they have like sometimes a demonic, I feel like uh, yeah they are the, yeah nothing, they have a deal with Satan or something that they nothing, keep coming back yeah they just keep going and keep going so they are so if all hardy little creatures yes <laughs> if all dogs go to heaven where do the cats go oh they go to hell no they, they absolutely do not. go to hell <laughs> they go to heaven too they are bastards there's that a sep- f- what a, there's a separate huh. cat heaven a separate cat heaven yeah so the dogs and cats they can't they can't mingle. I mean, they That's can, funny. but they can. They have they have their own separate rooms. Though. I am convinced okay. that cats are evil, <laughs> yeah. inherently evil. They're not. 
it it would have been funny if they showed like in the the hell nightmare if there was like a fuck ton of cats like (laughs) (laughs) it just would have been funny it just would have been like a little thing because they don't explicitly say it but we would have known so charlie uh he's wanting to get revenge uh you know he's he's upset that of course, Carface has killed him once and trying to kill him still. Uh, but they're in like this dock area and ends up falling down into the water. Charlie loses his watch and we see that they are swept away. And we kind of cross dissolve back into them. Cut to them being imprisoned by King Gator. Uh, King Gator is voiced by Ken Page. Uh, he was on Broadway as the lion in The Wiz. Uh, he was old Deuteronomy in Cats. Uh, it's definitely not the last time I'm going to mention cats, thanks to our TV show. Um, and in film, he was in the movie Dreamgirls. And for a lot of people, I would also recognize the voice. Uh, he voiced Oogie Boogie in A Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh-oh. Okay. So, yeah. Just as uh, Charlie's about to be eaten by King Gator, Charlie howls the whatever. Which I really wish they would have set this up before this moment. Did they ever do this before in the film? That that he has a particularly good howl, a good voice? No. No, they didn't. No, not at all. Then that makes this really a really bad moment in writing because <laughs> right. they needed to set it up. You you set up, you reinforce, and you pay off. And the payoff comes at the end, but they only have a setup and a payoff, and they the reinforce would have been like right here. It just didn't make sense because it came out of nowhere where Charlie all of a sudden has this voice that King Gator likes and saves him because like, oh, I can't eat you. You got such a good voice. I mean, he's like, been singing prior, though. Like he's he's been but singing. The, we've established it, but... the singing sucks. We've established <laughs> the singing is bad. But nobody in the movie thinks his singing sucks. <laughs> yeah, but the, there was no establishment that the howl sure. was good and that would save exceptional. Yeah. So I just it just to me as yeah. a. Store screenwriter story writer thing that's also, just bad. Also, yeah. the gator, the whole gator thing, really kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, it only comes back once, and it kind of comes back in an almost Deus Ex Machina type deal. And it seems like none of that was necessary. I, I would agree. It, it just felt like a way to add in this kind of here's a kooky character with a silly voice. Yeah. Yeah, I would have been so. fine if that whole scene was just not even... Sure. I mean, I guess you kind of needed that to set up the end. Right. Yeah. But, but you could, you definitely could have found a different way to yeah. make that, you know, to get rid of... of uh, yeah, Carface. Carface. So. Yeah, you could... Exactly, because that, that was really all it does set up, so... But besides that, because of the great voice and whatnot, King Gator doesn't want to eat him, and we do get a song... Let's make music together. (laughs) Let's make music together. Let's make sweet harmony. Oh, let's make music together, baby. You take the dough, I'll take the ray. You better hang on to me. (laughs) Let's make sweet harmony. Uh, This is another one that I absolutely remember. Yeah. And, yeah. and I kind of, yeah, I do kind of feel the King Gator character is completely in there to add, like, a, here's a silly voiced, you know, bad guy that's really not that bad kind of thing. So, all right. So, King Gator returns them to New Orleans. Uh, Carface confronts Itchy, um, kind of tortures him a little bit, beats him up a bit. Uh, Anne Marie is getting sick. We find out she needs a doctor. Uh, so, Itchy does eventually find Charlie. Carface blew up their place in the junkyard, their casino that they built, and Itchy 
he's done. He's like, you know, what do we need this girl for? Let's just leave. Let's let's, you know, ditch her, move on. He thinks that Charlie's gone soft. Charlie takes offense to that. And so he is angrily saying, no, I don't I don't care about her. She means nothing to me. She's just a means to the money and things like that. And of course, Anne Marie overhears this and she is now upset by things, by all that. And she runs off. So uh, Itchy takes Anne Marie's doll because they're trying to find her and he's going to find a lot of other doll dogs to try and help. Um, but Charlie's gone to rescue her um, to get her back and whatnot. So because, of course, she gets taken by Carface. In uh, the fight with Carface's guy, uh, they're all fighting and, and all this stuff in the um, casino that was over that Car- Carface's casino, which is in the ship. Mm-hmm. And he ends up, again, letting out that howl, which, again, you're supposed to do rule of threes. It actually would have helped, but he, but we at least know. So he hits out the howl, howl, and we see King Gator kind of pop up in the water. So he's heading that way. And in all of the madness that's happening, it's all just kind of like... Things are exploding around him. Oil gets spilled. Fires get started. Charlie's watch gets lost. And uh, there's, you know, battle of says King Gator comes in, do es machina kind of thing, and chases off Carface. We're assuming going to actually kill and eat Carface, which does, we assume, happens. Mm-hmm. So um, Charlie is able to rescue Anne-Marie, but he can't rescue his watch in time. And here I want to rewrite the story to make it better. Okay. <laughs> Here's my thoughts. So Charlie rescues Anne Marie. He puts her on like a piece of driftwood. And so he sees, so he's, he's bringing up Anne Marie and he sees his watch go down. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try and save myself at first. He thinks, but then he stops himself. He's like, no, I got to get her to safety. So he gets her up to safety, puts her on a driftwood and then just shoves her away. He literally says he shoves her and says, you can make it kid. You can make it. You can make it! You can make it, kid! As if, I did what I can, it's your job to make it now. And then he goes after his watch again. I really wish they would have not done that, because to me, that doesn't make him as much of a hero as maybe he thinks he is, or the Whippet Angel thinks he is. I wish he would have made a more actual, definitive decision of, I'm going to make sure she gets to safety, as opposed to just shoving her slightly away from the water from the the explosion right because when she gets to the shore it's killer for some random reason right killer i I thought that was so weird that like he was the one pushing her in i I also would have liked some kind of hint that killer was actually nice you know because he was also an asshole you know and so like I was hoping there was like some kind of like hint because a lot of movies have like that oh the sidekick he's just kind of like you know being bossed around and he's not that bad but killer ends up he's one who ends up kind of not fully saving her because he does because charlie brings her up but like i would have loved him actively making sure she got to safety Mm -hmm. and him knowing he didn't have the time to get his watch and just spending the last moments with her and then falling down into the water as he did one final push to make her go to shore as opposed to he still kind of he still kind of went for his watch you know? Yeah. He still wasn't, he was still pretty, not fully selfish. I know. But. Yeah. Well, he was, I don't know. I guess I see it also as him trying to be able to stay with her, but. Okay. In a way. In a way. I could see, I could see that. But yeah, you know, I mean, we just, there was at least a change though. You're right. Yeah. Charlie has made some progression. Right. So that's helpful. Right. So we uh, then cut to, so she's to the safety, everything, the casino is blown up or whatnot. We cut to the couple's house. That's where Anne-Marie is. Then Charlie's ghost pops in to say goodbye. 
the big demon dog let him say his final goodbyes for some reason, which I thought was strange. Yeah, yeah I mean, very... it was very nice of him. <laughs> yeah, <it was. laughs> so maybe hell's not all that bad if we really think about it. Uh, but yeah, uh, then all of a sudden, the whippet angel comes down, kind of pops the demon away, just kind of very quickly pushes him aside, if you will, and instead is going to take Charlie to heaven because he gave his life for her. And again, I dispute that. I don't think he really did because he still was actively going for his own life and he just didn't make it in time. But sure. So uh, so she's going to take him to heaven and she's able. he's able to say goodbye before he goes up and he asks her to take care of Itchy. So she promises she will do that. Charlie goes to heaven. We see also Carface gets up there because all dogs go to heaven. Uh, he, of course, touches the clock and she yells at him, touch that clock and you can never come back. <laughs> Yelling at him real hard. And then a song plays uh, at the end of the start of the end of the credits. And after that song is done, then we get the main title song, Love Survives, at the end of the credits as the rest of the credits play. And that one is by Irene Cara and Freddie Jackson. Now I know you're safe here in my heart. You will always be with me. We'll never be apart. Never knew how strong my love could be. You're the one I waited for. And I actively did not like that song. It just, it didn't fit with the rest of the movie. Because it, it was just yeah. the end credits song. And it just didn't, you know, they didn't mention, it should have had like an All Dogs Go to Heaven where they yeah. actively are singing about All Dogs Going to Heaven instead of Love Survives. I mean, so I, I listened to all the songs on the credits, but I don't even remember that one right now. Yeah. I just yeah. don't remember yeah. what it was or sounded like. Was it's not memorable. Yeah. <laughs> no. But, Abby, you kind of already alluded to what your thoughts were, but let's start off on a high note and uh, tell us, you know, what did you feel? What was everything you got from rewatching All Dogs Go to Heaven? I mean, I thought, I felt like there was a lot of like, this is an underdog story, you know, like mm. all throughout the movie with the like rat race. It was the underdog who wins with the horse race, the underdog who wins like the little girl, she's kind of the, you know, this orphan, the underdog. It just was to me very much like an underdog wins type of story. So in the end, it was it was a feel for me. It was a feel good story. All right. And John, what were your thoughts? And you said uh, you had the whole family watch it. Uh, yes. Uh, my wife didn't want to watch it. Uh, I don't think Aww. she was actually particularly fond of this film. Um, and actually, every t- every time I mentioned the film, she would go. You can never come back. <laughs> I, can, I can totally hear that in her voice. Yeah. It was, I was actually, ex- I was expecting to not like rewatching this movie. In the end, I th- I found it to be okay. Um, there were some slower parts and, and uh, I, I, the songs weren't as good as, I, I, first of all, I didn't remember there being songs. I wish the songs, and I think this because songs weren't as good as they could have been. But I think both of my kids actually kind of enjoyed watching the film. Uh, I was, you know, I, I pitched it to my daughter like, "We're gonna watch a cartoon about dogs." I'm like, "All right, well, she was in. She was fine with that." So, <laughs> mm-hmm. and she did ask me. She goes, "Are there any more?" And usually, if that means that usually that means she wants to try and watch one of the sequels or something like that because she's enjoying it. So, I think I think they uh, enjoyed it. 
I would say it was it was okay. It's not not one I would find myself actively go, going back to watch, but it wasn't as bad as I as as I anticipated. And I'm going to bring it down even more because while we were talking, I happened to find the news report on uh, Judith Barcy's uh, oh, no. a death incident. I'm just going to read the one line. It's this is going to be horrible. Uh, investigator said Joseph Barcy, a plumber, apparently shot and killed his 48 year old wife and daughter in the house doused their bodies with gasoline and set them on fire before going into the garage and shooting himself in the head with a 32 caliber pistol. Oh my so, god. I'm going to bring the whole thing down with that one. Yeah. That's horrifying. Yeah. Yep. Well, All right, Adam, me follow that follow up. That. Yeah. yeah, Adam, bring it back up. Um, I'm not going to bring it back up as much as you'd hope. Damn. Now, I This actually, was my I, movie, I guess. I it, loved it was, more than you guys did. You so. did. You did. This was That's definitely fair. an Abby movie. Now, I did knock on a good bit of the story points and some of the things that I just don't think they did very well, um, the things that kind of came out of nowhere or et cetera, et cetera. But I understand this is a kid's movie, and I kind of unfortunately came in with a higher expectations side of things, like, you know, because I remember like, oh, Abby really loved this one. I do remember this one kind of being in rotation. I just ended up watching it and felt that it didn't hold up to, I guess, what I thought I remembered it being. The songs, the songs are not particularly memorable to me. Like they're not great songs. They are songs and they exist, but they're not particularly good. I think the lesson is good. You do get some redemption for Charlie. It's not, you know, I would have written it a little bit better in my opinion, but <laughs> you do, you do see a hero's journey. You know, Judith's voice is phenomenal. And I, you know, it, the awful story aside, her voice acting as Anne Marie mm was perfectly innocent, perfectly adorable. Yeah. Love that. The animation is wonderful. I think the animation holds up fantastically. Don Bluth animation is great, mm -hmm. in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. And it looks very good. It, it holds up to like a Blu-ray rendering, all that kind of stuff. So that is fantastic. The movie just ended up, it, it was, I had, I held it at a standard where I thought it was, like I honestly I held it at like a Land Before Time. Land Before Time, I thought, I, I remember us, both really liking still yeah. um, and American Tale. Mm -hmm. And this one is not as good as either of those, mm -hmm. in my opinion. But it's still, it's not bad. It holds up enough. It's an okay movie. It's just not a great movie. I found myself actually disliking um, a lot of Burt Reynolds' choices. And I, okay. I honestly think it would have been better with a different voice actor. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to say a better actor. I'm just going to say a different voice actor. Okay. That could have been interesting. Well... I mean, it's not bad. <laughs> Abby's face is just like pouty. <laughs> but you know what? How about we change things up, get a little bit more theatrical, Woo. and talk zoobly zoo. zoo. Zoobly zoo. It ran from uh, 1986 to 87, 65 episodes. I feel like I remember this running on PBS in our area. Um, but I can't yeah. remember exactly. Uh, it was syndicated, so different areas, you know, different regions would have it on different channels. And uh, it did continue. It continued its syndication until 2000. So it was, you know, it was on for a little while. The show's concept was developed by Hallmark Entertainment, uh, which partnered with uh, children's company Dick Enterprises to produce the, to produce the show. Dick Enterprises have done shows like uh, Hey Vern, It's Ernest, but also some great cartoons like uh, Inspector Gadget, Mask, Heathcliff, 
dinosaurs, a whole bunch more, bunch more. Uh, this show revolves around a group of six creative animal friends who live in the magical land called Zoobly Zoo, and each possess a unique artistic skill, and they frequently break into song and dance. <laughs> Very theatrical. Yeah. One of the things I immediately wrote down was, if this this is definitely based or was inspired by cats. Yeah. Has to be. Yeah. Has to be. Mm. Uh, in part, this show was produced and directed by Steve Binder. Uh, he has directed some things uh, with uh, Gilligan's Island, different musical, like a bunch of musical specials, um, including Elvis musical specials, Barry Manilow, Diana Ross, and John. I know you're excited. He was also the director of the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, it's trash. Uh, so... We'll go through the cast, and then after we go through the cast, I want to talk, Abby, about what do you remember about this show, okay? Okay. Mayor Ben was played by Ben Vereen. Uh, Mayor Ben was a snow leopard, and he would pretty much start every episode with like a greeting and kind of speak directly to the viewers, sometimes cutting in in the middle of the show or definitely always summarizing things by the end or giving like the main lesson. Uh, ben Vereen had been in multiple Broadway original runs, including Jesus Christ Superstar, Pippin, he won a Tony for Best Actor in Pippin. Um, he was in the Broadway run of Wicked as the Great and Powerful Oz. Mm. Um, he was in the miniseries Roots, uh, which he got an, emanation, uh, an Emmy nomination for that one. Uh, and then, funny enough, he also starred in, or he was in an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation as Jordy LaForge's father. Mm -hmm. LeVar Burton, oh. also starring in uh, the show Roots. And funny enough, Madge Sinclair who played his mother in that episode was also on Roots. So they kind of brought everybody from that uh, or people from that one into the uh, Star Trek one. Bill Derbeaver. Uh, <laughs> so it's a kid's show. Yeah. These it. names are not subtle. These are not subtle names. Uh, Bill Derbeaver uh, was played by Sandy Grin. He only had a few other acting credits, uh, but he did some puppetry work, uh, particularly I thought was interesting on the movie Beetlejuice and in multiple Chucky films. Hmm. So he's a puppeteer for a bit. And Bill is a beaver. He likes to invent things and fix things, things like that. Uh, Van Gogh Lion. These are, they're so <laughs> these names. I just like <laughs> really they're like they're not even puns. Bill or Beaver is at least a pun. Van Gogh Lion is just like well, Van Gogh is a famous artist and he's a lion. So yeah, there, there you go. go. Yeah. Played by Forrest Gardner, he was a dancer in the movie Staying Alive and Captain EO. Uh, and girls just want to have fun. That's all I could really see from him. Okay. Takatu Cockatoo. Uh, is a cockatoo bird who enjoys reading, writing, and speech. So, again, on the nose on that one. Played by Karen Hartman. Uh, some small voice parts in the shows like Real Ghostbusters, Super Mario Brothers, and Inspector Gadget. Uh, Lookout Bear, who was my least favorite, I will say. I don't. I didn't remember Lookout Bear. Like I saw the look of Lookout Bear. I was like, I don't remember you. Like I remember all the other ones had very distinct looks in my head. Mm -hmm. But anyway, played by Michael B. Moynihan, uh, only did a few other things, but that bear character enjoys adventuring and travel. That's his thing. Uh, Bravo Fox was played by Gary Schwartz. Uh, he is a voice in uh, quite a bit of recent Star Wars, The Old Republic things uh, from that series stuff and did some additional voices on movies like Fern Gully, Goofy Movie and Anastasia and Bravo Fox likes performing magic theater that kind of stuff yeah. and then uh, what's it 
Kangaroo was it was it Kangaroo? I think it's how it's pronounced. Played by Stevie Valance. She did voices in Reboot, Extreme Dinosaurs, Mummies Alive, Double Dragon, Dinosaurs, many more things. And that is the, uh, was it Kangaroo is the youngest Zubal. They call themselves the Zubals. And uh, she kind of encourages kids to love music and dance. So, all right, that's all the cast stuff. Abby, what do you remember? Like, why are we talking Zubly Zoo? I mean, I don't like, I just remember it being a feel good show. Like, I don't really remember learning much from the show, I'll be <laughs> honest, but I kind of forgot, actually, about the narrator guy. Yeah, um, yeah, the mayor. Yeah, and I remember liking that. Like, it felt very interactive, at least when I kind of watched the, I'll watch an episode again. Um, I liked, I remember liking that about it, but to me, it just was, like, light and fun and had animals, and I loved animals, and... Um, yeah, so. And that's pretty much what I remember also from the show, like very theatrical, mm. very much, you know, just, you know, performance based. Like this could have, they could have done and they probably did do like tours around the U.S. You know, I guess if they got popular enough, they could just do stage tours. Like it seems it was a stage show that they, it felt like that they happened to put TV cameras, you know, have some kind of cheap sets and things like that. <laughs> yeah. But it was, I mean, I, I like the production. I love shows that are willing to put in some makeup and mm -hmm. willing to put in some costumes, yeah. things like that. So that's, that's definitely what I remember, remember about it. It was for young kids and, and watching it again, very much for young kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, there is, I did kind of look up some stuff. I don't think as many people remember Zoobly Zoo as we do. Cause I've, huh. I've, mentioned it to some other people and they had no idea i think i actually used it as a question on throwback trivia takedown i don't think anybody got it oh man i know but it's yeah there's there's not much there is a zoobilyzoo.com which is the home of zoobily zoo and i can tell you it looks like this site was made with geocities <laughs> it's, it's, I'm sorry if you're the person is owned. It says owned by all Hallmark properties and whoever makes this is. Yeah, they have not updated the site in a long time. <laughs> oh, no. I, I need tell to go you. visit that. But, you know, every one of the characters has their own Facebook and that's that's good. Oh, Mayor Ben only has 1000 followers. We have more followers than Mayor Ben. Oh, on no. Bless for our past. Oh, yeah. That's a shame. So a lot of people don't know this show. Oh my God! Bravo Fox only has five hundred followers. Oh, I feel bad. <laughs> oh, who was your favorite of all of them? Uh, um, the one I rem—I mean, I remember Cockatoo, Cockatoo, Cockatoo quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably Cockatoo, 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 or Bravo Fox. I like them both quite a bit. What about you? Yeah, I so talk. Oh gosh, Cockatoo, <laughs> the bird. Just say the bird. Uh, the, the, bird. Bird. the bird one i liked her i liked her yeah i also actually liked um what's the cat's name the bait the young one the youngest the, the, one. Oh, oh that's it's a kangaroo oh that's what i meant what yeah was it kangaroo yeah scratch that yeah, she's she's very, she was very spunky well honestly i couldn't tell it she doesn't look like a kangaroo she at doesn't all. and until yeah. actually then i remember oh yeah she put stuff in her pouch um uh. <laughs> but yeah i don't know why she got it looked like a cat to me um, she uh, well, she does look much more like yeah. Yeah. Unless you turn around, you kind of see the tail's not the same. Yeah, so. that's true. That's true. I liked her. She was a little flighty. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, she a was a little bit, but just she was just very sweet and always meant well. So 
Yeah. I like, yeah. I think I, that's why I liked her too. I did John, not like the fox. Thing? I didn't like the fox. Oh, you didn't like the fox? Well, he was, oh, he no. was, he was kind of bossy. He was definitely kind of bossy, but he, I don't know. He, this, the way he spoke was a little like this. Yeah. And I don't I know. I just thought it was kind of like funny. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, tone it down. Tone it down. He was, he was definitely kind of uh, mimicking. I can't remember. There's a, uh, you know, voice actor who'd do that all the time. But John, did you have a favorite? Zubel? No, I didn't have a favorite Zubel. I definitely did not watch this show uh, when I was younger. I mean, I'm I was very much aware of it. I didn't make you watch it with me. I don't I think surprised. so. I don't I, think so. I remember watching it. Um, yeah. I rem- I remember the characters, so I'm sure at some point I probably saw an episode or two. I definitely don't remember uh, being into it at all. I, looking at them, I, I think I like the look of Van Gogh Lion the best. Sure. So I, I, if I have to pick one, I'll pick him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. Okay. So this series won uh, the 1987 Daytime Emmy for Outstanding Costume Design. So that's cool. Yeah. So good look. And it is very, yeah, very theatrical. Very, I mean, it's very stage style look. I, I think it's great. Similarities to cats. They call them Zoobles. And in cats, they're called the Jellicles. The mm. Jellicle cats. I mean, this is right. Anthropomorphic. You know, animals, very cat looking like a lot of them. Um, and then the singing and dancing, all of that is very much in there. And speaking of singing and dancing, holy moly, we cannot go on anymore without talking about the theme song. Everyone up, everyone in. Time for the fun to begin. Come along with us to Zoobly Zoo. Zoobly Zoo. Magic and wonder are waiting for you. That theme song is just a, it's a bright bit of nostalgia that just makes me feel happy every time I hear it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is definitely it's, the one thing I I could definitely remember yeah. about yeah. the show was the theme song. Everyone up. It's just like, it's poppy, it's fun, it gets you moving. No Surprise was created by Levy and Saban, yep. um, which I didn't write down their stuff, Abby, but these two have created so many theme songs really? and did so much like music for the 80s. Like, I, I, I you know what? I'm going to go through the list. I'm going to find me. <laughs> I need to do it because holy moly, um, the list is absolutely insane. I just don't, I don't think there was another show that was like this. You're right. It was very unique. Yeah. So... Some of the uh, musical theme songs that they had have done and and really they dominated like the eighties. All right, so they did the theme songs too: Inspector Gadget, uh, Heathcliff, uh, Mask, Joyce and the Wheeled Warriors, uh, the Real Ghostbusters, Dennis the Menace, Dinosaurs, wow. uh, uh, which was a massive one. Let's see here: Captain and the Game Master, uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. It's another huge a lot, one. yeah. Uh, Samurai Pizza Cats. Uh, they were part of the X-Men theme song oh, as well. Wow. Yeah, and there's even a whole bunch more that I haven't even mentioned. Uh, they they were massive in the world of TV theme songs and TV music. So, But you're right. That, that is the one thing I think where Zoobly Zoo stands out and it can stand out is there was no other show like this one. Mm-mm. You know, every other show was either a cartoon mm-hmm. or it was all puppetry. And But having them being dressed up like this felt very different mm-hmm. so it was nice it was, very, it was a very kind of they brought in some people here and there but nothing too wild it was always just kind of like you know oh here's a 
random character. Overall, it was our we could stick to these main characters. Enjoy that. John, did you happen to show this to either kid? No. No, I didn't. I don't really and, think they would have been. I think they're past the that age. The age. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're right. They they are definitely past that age. This is this seems like it's perfect for like that 2 to 6 maybe. Yeah, definitely like for, for my impression was definitely like preschool. Preschool, yeah. Preschool. Like Cuz when did it when did they come out again in the late Uh well they were they were uh it first came out in 86. Um but they were syndicated all the way up until 2000. So. Yeah. I mean, because in 86, I was three. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was probably, I mean, I don't remember exactly when we watched it, but I feel like probably early 90s, like late 80s, maybe late I 80s. Think even earlier. Yeah, I'd say I'd say the late 80s. Yeah. I bet, I bet probably we around younger. like that 88 time, 88, 89. Yeah. 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 Which is the perfect time for like you and me to yeah. watch it and makes total sense Why that John, John didn't. didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I'll start off. I ended up watching four episodes uh, wow. <laughs> just well i it's because i just turned it on oh wait also you cannot find this streaming other i found it on youtube i did too yeah so they luckily they have full episodes pretty much at their highest quality that they had on youtube so you can find everything on youtube but they're not any on other streaming platforms but you can find them all pretty easily there uh, and so yeah i put it on while i was just starting all my notes and so it just kind of let it run through i wasn't like actively paying that much attention because it was obvious that this show is for kids and rewatching it now it's just blatantly obvious it's for the young kids and i totally get that and i respect it for that you know mm-hmm. i i will say i even love it for that and i love the production value i love the theater stuff the songs are fine i mean they're just like you know simple little songs that they do um so all of because of that i'm still nostalgic for the show i think it's mm-hmm. super cute I don't know. Maybe I'll try and put it on. I've got a little niece and nephew who are coming up on uh, two and three this next year is where they're going to be. You know, that's how old they'll be. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I could start to introduce. I'm going to I'm trying to start to introduce them to stuff. I actually the last time they were over, I put on DuckTales and I was trying to see if like that, you know, hooked them mm-hmm. up at all. And not really the theme song. Actually, I could tell they paid a little bit of attention during that. But with the show, they kind of zoned out and just wanted to play with toys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I might try. I could see this one working with kids. Now, I do think the lack of it being in HD and finding like, you know, a good crisp quality is going to be hard to to want to watch it, though. But overall, I would say my nostalgia for the for the show has not wavered. I still appreciate it for what it was, but it's for that time in my life. And it's not like, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to go back and rewatch it or I, I may, may not try to show it to another kids just because it is hard to find mm-hmm. yeah i and i will say the episode that i rewatched too i i kind of did the same thing i like put it on and i didn't like sit there and stare at it but mm-hmm. um kind of put it on in the background and um and there were moments where i cringed a little bit at the <laughs> <laughs> at the uh the keys they were singing in and the just mm-hmm. some of their some of the singing I just was like, Oh that 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 could have been better. <laughs> but, yeah. Um well, I didn't notice one of the one of the episodes that I had watched I mean they're just and I get it, they're lessons from the eighties. Yeah. But like they were doing a dance marathon and you know, they were down to just two of the more characters and they're only two guy characters. I was like, 
well, you guys can't be partners because one of you has to be the girl. And it's just like, but I mean, so like, so, yeah. so Builder Beaver was like, well, I'll dress up as a girl. That doesn't bother me. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe that's progressive. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but it's just like, but part of me is just like, you know, eh, you know, some of the lessons are probably maybe not what I would want. I, you know, I need to teach. I don't need to force some of that mentality, not these but days. it is a product yeah. product of its time. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I could see that being John? slightly progressive. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. You know, yeah. they they didn't shy from the dressing up part, right. so that's cool. And he was okay with yeah. it, and it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. John, what about you? Did you love it? <laughs> uh, so I actually didn't even get through a full episode. I got through about fifteen minutes, but it wasn't because I thought this the show was bad. I could clearly, I've seen enough little kids shows to recognize what I think are good and and bad shows for kids. I could clearly see. This was a show for little kids, not not mm-hmm. like not you know small ch- like little preschoolers, and it was exactly what you would need it to be. A lot of you know happy go lucky people, a lot of dancing, a lot of singing, cool costumes, cool makeup. It's it was a good show for kids, and I'm not at all surprised that it was syndicated for so long. Um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised they haven't tried to find a way to bring it back yet in some yeah. form. Um, they've done that a lot with a lot of our or older shows. They've they've done reboots of some kind or a range. Um, I remember one of the most popular ones right now is Daniel Tiger, which is just a takeoff of a character oh. from Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. It's a cartoon, but they they use yeah. the character to create something. So I'm kind of surprised they haven't done that yet. But I got enough of it where I'm like, okay, it's a good show for little kids. Clearly not something I'm going to sit through and pay attention as a 42 year old man, but it absolutely works for what it is and i it was bothering me for so long as to what i was remembering ben vereen to be from Mm -hmm. and then i remembered that he played um what is his name uh wayne he played wayne brady's father on how i met your mother the Sam Gibbs, the Reverend. I remember that episode. Yeah, he was on a few episodes, yes. but he, yeah, he played uh, what turned out to be uh, Wayne Brady's father on yes. How I Met Your Mother, and that's, that's very fitting. That's how I, uh, that's why I came to to remember it. Um, I think it was a good show, and honestly, probably could use a good reboot with uh, yep. some some modern technology. But I, I still think you need to keep the puppetry. You need to keep the costuming and makeup. You don't want to do like what they did on the Cats movie. No. That that cannot happen. No. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No. Uh, I'm looking right now. Apparently, I just got to see all the episodes look like they're available for download on uh, there's a site archive.org, which is just an Internet archive site. And I think they're all they were all put into the public domain. So really anybody if anybody, you know, really loved this show as a kid and wants them, you can download MP4s of. of all every show that they had, well, if, and then you can watch. If it's there. in the public domain, then nobody has an excuse for not trying yeah. to reboot the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. So, uh, all right. Well, Abby, our sister, beloved sister, this is the end of your journey on this episode, and so you know we had some ups and downs. <laughs> it was an emotional journey. <laughs> it for was. Sure. It was. Yeah. 
But uh, thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate yeah. it. And, and I think it was fun. These were two very nostalgic properties, obviously, for you, but for myself as well, because, mm -hmm. you know, I ended up getting, as I've mentioned many times with John, I get roped into a lot of the shows he loved. Yeah. Um, you know, but same thing for you. There's a lot of the music and the shows that you introduced me to. Yeah. Uh, and so it was really nice to talk some of those properties today. Yeah. No, thanks for having me on again. So, it was fun. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and if anybody out there is in need of veterinary services uh, in like the uh, Maryland area, uh, go go find our sister. There you go. That's all I'll put out. <laughs> she, yeah. All right. All right, Abby, we love you. Love you. And uh, John, John and I are going to move on to discuss a fan casting of the Blues Brothers. Okay. This episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Kibbles and Bits. Kibbles and Bits. I'm going to get me some Kibbles and Bits. Kibbles and Bits. Kibbles and Bits. I'm going to get me some Kibbles and Bits. Kennel Ration introduces Kibbles and Bits, a brand new idea. It's two new dog foods in one. Kibbles, a new crunchy, meaty-tasting dry, and Bits, a new chewy burger-style food. He'll crunch it, chomp it, absolutely devour it. Kibbles and Bits, two great new dog foods in one. Kibbles and Bits, Kibbles and Bits. I'm going to get me more Kibbles and Bits. And now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As we mentioned at the top, we are doing something that we've kind of come to call a missed casting. Uh, a, a property that we've already talked about, but we didn't do a casting of, and I can't remember why we didn't do this, but, uh, we I, probably I doubt we really wanted to probably, um, <laughs> we're going but, to re, oh, we, oh, cause we did the A team. We did. Oh, that yeah, makes yeah. more sense. The A team's a, was the easier, better kind of casting. Absolutely. Uh, so we're going to recast the movie, the blues brothers using actors of today. And Adam, you kind of said it, this was an almost impossible task. There was 0% chance that I was going to be doing a one-to-one -one type of casting. Mm -hmm. uh, I had to change some things up because this is, it was our third episode ever. This is one of our most beloved movie and franchises. I mean, th those two characters and this movie in particular is so high up there in nostalgia mm -hmm. and love from you and I that it's hard for me to like, you know, want to try and make something that will be you know, be exactly like this or live up to it or try to be better right. without trying to have its own twist. Uh, I pulled out a ton of characters because there are a lot of memorable characters in here. Mm -hmm. And so we are going to do Jake Elwood, Sister Mary Stigmata, who I didn't know that was her last name. Until. <laughs> Isn't that perfect? Yep. Uh, Curtis, Reverend Cleophus uh, James. Cleophus. Cleophus James. Uh, the mystery woman who was uh, Carrie, uh, I almost said Carrie Russell. Um, yeah, Carrie Fisher. Fisher, uh, in the movie, uh, the head Nazi, um, who was played by a wonderful character actor who I can also yeah. never remember his name. Um, yeah. the Soul Food Cafe owner. They really didn't give any of these people no. names. Uh, <laughs> who who was played by Aretha Franklin, uh, Ray, who's played by Ray Charles, and then the one guy who I don't ever remember his name, but he has a great name, Tucker McElroy. Yeah, he was Charles Napier. The yeah. actor was the actor, and we love him absolutely. It, so, um, yeah. and then for fun, I also did a cast of the band. I I did throw in some uh, bandmates, if you will. Okay, um, they're not really band people, but they're going to be thrown in. Well, they actually kind of are. So, so the the original band was made up mostly of people who were part of the Saturday Night Live 
mm-hmm. uh, band. Two of the guys in the original band, I'm going to call out Steve Cropper and Donald Duck Dunn, who are the guitar and bass player, were also members of the MGs. If you've ever heard the song Green Onions by Booker T and the MGs, yep. uh, if you've ever seen the movie Sandlot, you've seen Well, you've when that. we talk Sandlot, I, I specifically remember you calling that out. Yeah, kind of. I thought that was awesome. Those guys were, were uh, members, and they were big time like studio uh, bass and guitar guys, especially in the mm-hmm. Memphis area and I think down in the Alabama area too. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, let's just do a quick rundown, I guess, of our band members. If you can, I, can I give like a breakdown of how my style? Because I'm, yeah. I'm. Go ahead. All right. So here's this is the to get into the mindset or my mindset of how I did my casting. I'm not going to try to remake Blues Brothers and be like a, a rhythm and blues setup, at least like in that style. And like if you know from like the 50s, because they, you know, the whole thing was. The, the legends that they brought in are still the legends of blues and R&B from that time today. So, and they even had a sequel where they brought in some more, like they had a sequel with, um, had Johnny Lang and Eric Clapton and a whole bunch of other fantastic, more recent, even blues people on it. Um, so I, instead I tried to stay away from blues in particular. Okay. So my mindset is I am keeping the idea of two poor white orphans being from like you know a poor urban area meeting up with you know having having that um, mentor who brought them into a black led music genre mm-hmm. and so for me the time distance between late 70s the 80s or 80 when they this movie came out and like that 50s was all right this fits well for like that late 90s or late 80s early 90s r&b slash hip-hop time okay. so I've reshifted the timing to likely those those like eighties, nineties R and B and hip hop, um, and so that's that, that's where my my mindset's going. Okay, I did in general stick with a blues idea, but in okay. the original movie, they also pull from rhythm and blues R and B, a little bit of pop. So I did incorporate that idea, but okay. I'm still sticking with the blues sort of theme. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm not sure. Mine probably wouldn't be named Blues Brothers for a couple reasons, and we'll hear about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but blue, since blues isn't like the main thing, but it'll be, you know what? I'll tell you what my, my name is going to be later. <laughs> okay. All right. So I, uh, since you, I guess since you did do uh, some band, let's just, you want to run through the band members who you picked? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Uh, so, oh, sorry. You, no, you, you go, go first. You, you go first. It doesn't matter. Okay. So I'll go first. So my band, some of the people that they're going to pull up. I started off with a band that is actually a little bit older than from the time I, I mentioned, but they are one of the best like funk and R&B bands ever. Mm-hmm. Um, they backed up uh, just a fun dude and his jungle of I'm having the time from Morris Day in the Time going to be part of this. Okay. And then I'm, I'm throwing, I'm sprinkling in Andre 3000 because okay. I love Outkast and he was like the more R&B hip-hop and less rapper intensity stuff with his. Mm-hmm. And then what else do I want with a band? I want perfect harmonies. And you do not... Well, there's two groups that you will get perfect harmonies from the 90s, one of them being Boys to Men, who I wrote down on a cameo list. They are <laughs> will be making a cameo. But the one who I actually like even better, In Vogue, uh, is going to be the kind of the backup singers. Cool. This one. That's a good call. like those. Okay. I specifically... I went through the band members... With the exception of the sort of bass, piano, and uh, the drums, who are kind of part of Merv's uh, Magic Tones, um, the only additional ones I added were ones who had specific scenes 
with the Blues Brothers, such as Matt Guitar Murphy, uh, Mr. Fabulous, the trumpet player, and even like the saxophone guy who was with Matt Guitar Murphy. So I only really casted them. Uh, to round out the band, I also did bass, piano, and drums just because um, you, you need that in the band. You and need the rhythm section. You need the rhythm section. So um, re- I'm going to go through. A lot of these are going to be from bands that I don't expect you to to know. Uh, for the saxophone guy, the one who's going to be with McIntyre Murphy in the in the one scene in the Soul Food Cafe scene, it's a guy named Bob Reynolds. Uh, he plays with uh, one of my favorite sort of modern sort of jazz fusion band, uh, Snarky Puppy. If you've never heard Snarky Puppy, go listen to them; they are amazing. Um, for trumpet, for Mr. Fabulous, I went with a fairly famous sort of jazz trumpeter, modern day jazz trumpeter named Terrence Blanchard. Uh, for drums. I also, for a lot of these guys, I was looking for more personality than necessarily playing ability because playing ability, like all of these guys are are going to be great. So I need personality. So one of the guys, I've seen him do a clinic. Uh, in, I've been in person to see him do a clinic. And I think he has just kind of a, a neat personality that would go with it. Uh, I went with a guy named Joe Saylor, who is the drummer for the Late Show Band with Stephen Colbert. He often wears a cowboy hat, and that kind of makes him look okay. a little distinctive. Okay. I, don't, I like that tie-in to Late Show kind of stuff, because we already, you know, that's a nice tie-in to the right. Blues Brothers, how they had their band. Uh, for piano, I went with a guy named Victor Wainwright. He's a blues pianist. He's got a lot of personality. He's a little bit more outgoing than I think Murph from Murph and the Magic Tone was, but I still think it'd be really good. Listen to his stuff. He's really, really good. Uh, for bass, I went back to the Snarky Puppy well and went with Michael League, who is basically the guy who runs the band Snarky Puppy. And for guitar, for my Matt Guitar Murphy, I went with, his name is, or is, he goes by Captain Kirk Douglas. He is the guitar player for The Roots, uh, also in the Tonight Show band. Um, and he's got a lot of personality, and I think that's why I thought it would be a good job to put him there for that particular part. So that's my that's my band. Um, so let's go ahead and get into the actual casting. Let's go with uh, Tucker McElroy, and uh, let's see who you pick to replace Charles Napier. Yeah, it's, it is tough to replace Charles Napier. I love his voice. Yeah, you're looking. You're gonna. You're gonna be looking real funny, uh, eating whatever it is with no teeth. Yeah, or whatever he says. No God, fucking teeth. Now, the I I don't remember. I came across a picture of this actor. With like a cowboy hat, like when I was hunting, and I was like, "Oh, that works." It was probably just the cowboy hat connection, because Tucker McElroy, of course, is very he likes country and western, <laughs> and they have both at that place. Um, <laughs> but this actor is a pretty big actor, but he, you know, he's not so huge that he's not he's not really like leading movies anymore. He's kind of on the side now, so I think it should work. Um, and he has done some cowboy stuff. I don't know. I went with Dennis Quaid as okay. my Tucker McElroy. Yeah. All right. That's cool. Okay, take it. Cool. Um, so, when I was starting to think about it, I was like, "Oh, I think I know who I would want to do it." And for some reason, I, it hadn't dawned on me that he was probably older. Also, hadn't dawned on me that he was dead. Uh, oh. <laughs> and I initially was like, "Oh, I want to go with Powers Booth." Um, oh yeah, I do remember him passing away like in 2017 yeah. or something like that. Um. So uh, yeah, Power. Yeah, great voice. He he would have been a good one. Yeah, good voice. Honestly, he was probably as old as Charles Napier, so it probably really wouldn't have been much difference. Uh, so I went with an actor who is, he is a little bit older, but I'm I'm not necessarily worried about the age in a lot of these cases, sure. so I'm kind of dismissing that. But he's a good character actor. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. His name is James Remar. Oh, yeah. I've seen him in plenty of stuff. He shows up all over the place. Yep. He's got a, de- yeah, he's a-, he's got a decent, deep voice, too. 
Yeah, yeah, he's he's good. he's a very good actor, and he's been in Yellowstone recently. So, okay, uh, so they go. he's got some country stuff to him. So yep. that works. Uh, all right, let's go to Ray. Adam, we'll just we're just gonna keep this back and forth going this way. Okay, so I was trying to I was trying to lock down like timing how old some of these people needed to be. I actually start first started off how old do my Jake and Elwood need to be? Because mm-hmm. Dan Aykroyd was like twenty seven when he did this, right? And and you know and John Belushi was. I think right at 30. Yeah. Something like that. So it's just kind of interesting. And then it kind of working, but I mean, I, you know, Ray Charles always seems old to me, but he wasn't that old when he had, when he was in this movie, right. It was like super old. Right. Um, but anyway, again, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of, you know, Ray Charles is just one of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was so well known. I love his now. I, oh, I should have gone with a blind person, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> I also didn't, so don't feel bad about that. Okay, good. Now, but I went with a someone who is uh, an insanely well-known musician from that R&B, hip-hop time from the 80s, 90s. He's also one of the more well-known producers, and I think he could fit very well in running his own store. I went with Babyface. Okay. Kenneth Edwards as my Ray replacement. Okay. I can see that. I mean, yeah, he's hugely influential, you know, and so I just, you know, it, it just... Just kind of works. Yeah. Um, for my Ray, who I'm, I'm assuming the character will just get renamed after whoever the. Yeah, yeah. Is. A lot of mine are going to have to be. I actually went even deeper down the blues well okay. than I think probably would have been done. Probably not, definitely not as well known as as Ray Charles, but I think very well known in the blues world. I went with Robert Cray. Oh, I know that name. Yeah, definitely heard some stuff from Robert Gray. Yeah, he's I'm actually sure a, he's a guitar couple. player, um, yeah. great guitar player, great voice, great voice. Okay, okay. yeah, I, uh, I I definitely recognize the name. I am certain I have a couple songs from him. Very nice. Okay. Yeah, he's out on tour. He's in the Netherlands right now. Good nice. for him. Uh, all right, the Soul Food Cafe owner. Yep. Who'd you go with? Replacing Aretha Franklin. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I, I wanted to keep a massively influential uh, female from that area mm-hmm. and that from that era. And, um, you know, that leaves me with a couple from that spot for sure. And so I went with who I think is probably the biggest uh, that a lot of people remember. My soul food cafe owner is Mary J. Blige. OK, I like that. Yeah. She's also had a lot of sass, I think, throughout her career. I just feels like she feels like she could run that store and, and kind of, you know, I think Aretha Franklin did a fantastic job acting actually oh, yeah. in, that, in that movie. I think like, all the all the musicians who acted yeah. did a really decent job acting on that mm-hmm. who were not normally actors. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. No, I'm I think that's a good call. Okay. I uh I went with a woman who is actually a little bit more recently popular within like the last I don't know, 20 years I'll say. 20 years. Okay. And you're right. It's it, it's kind of impossible to replace Aretha Franklin. So I just went with the woman who played Aretha Franklin last yeah. year uh, in her biopic. I went with Jennifer Hudson. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, Jennifer Hudson has made some uh, massive things in her own career. So mm-hmm. she she could do that role, and I don't think anyone would ever say a word about it because she's she's a phenomenal. Yeah. So and great, yeah, great singer, great great actress. So yep. Really good call. Cool. Uh, all right. The head Nazi. <laughs> the head Nazi. So I'm doing just a minor shift on my head Nazi. Um, as opposed to it being a Nazi, it's going to be a KKK member. Okay. You know, just kind of slightly updated. 
just bring sure. it up to a little bit more time or maybe maybe he'll be a tea party member or you know one of those uh one of the things it'll be sure. a very very far right right wing kind of thing yeah. or something like that i and i was very much influenced by a show that i really loved recently had one of the best openings of like probably the last couple years and that would be the show peacemaker i went with a person who played a nazi in peacemaker and he's played a villain in many things i went with robert patrick oh wow have you seen peacemaker i did i enjoyed it okay um so he played the dad in that yes. one i mean yeah robert patrick great actor you weren't pretty dark then because he can get well real yes. serious but- he can get real serious, but you know there there'll be some comic elements absolutely in this yeah. one. I'm sure he can pull those off. I mean, I I nothing necessarily bad to say about uh-huh. Robert, Robert Patrick um, in that kind of role. I mean, it, it totally makes sense. He's not as goofy. You're right. He's not as goofy right. as the head Nazi was in Blues Brothers. Right. Robert Patrick is v- much more intimidating. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I would I would I would not want to meet Robert Patrick. Uh, no. In a in a darkened alley, even yeah. if he was you know dressed in a pink tutu, I would still be yeah. intimidated by yeah. him. And he, even now, he's probably like seventy year old, yeah. seventy year old years old now, and I still he'd still beat my ass. Yeah, um, I did go the more comedic route. Um, okay. I was trying to, I didn't want to find an actor who was too old, not an actor who was too young. Um, so I just went with someone who I hadn't seen in a while, and that's mostly because he's been doing uh, announcement duties for Saturday Night Live. I went with Daryl Hammond. Oh, okay. Um, I'm glad he's been... I, I forgot that they had him doing announcement duties because was it Jay Pardo or Ron Pardo? I can't remember his name. Yeah. Mr. Pardo, you know, he stopped a while back. But because um, Daryl Hammond, they actually... He was he was doing Trump for a long time. Right. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we like Alec Baldwin's Trump and we're going to have him do Trump. And then so Daryl Hammond, who should have... That, sh- that role should have been his. Right. He was a better Trump anyway. <laughs> they used Alec Baldwin because of his name. But they so that but they keep Hammond in there as an announcer. He was a long time, a long time awesome cast member. He did so many yeah. good things. A lot of people kind of forget about him, uh, but I think he's awesome. So I, uh, he would he would do a perfect, perfect comedic Nazi. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right, your mystery woman. My mystery woman, uh, not nearly as awesome. As Carrie Fisher, and I still, as we've mentioned before, I'll mention every single time, I think this was Carrie Fisher's most just attractive role. Mm-hmm. Whatever it was, her with that M16, <laughs> whoo, <laughs> is very, very cute. I mean. So you'll see where I did some shifts because it's a mystery man ah. in this one. Uh, so I did another character who has done some kind of like, eh, well, not quite, eh, some space stuff, kind of, kind of like how she has, but more so he's an all-American He's good looking, and I think he's got some comedy chops. He's got some other chops. I went with Chris Evans as my Mister Mystery Man. I like that call. Chris Evans okay. does have some good comedy chops. I I I I'd like to yeah. see him explore that a little bit more too. Mm-hmm. Definitely, that's cool. I like that call. Uh, Carrie Fisher was like still pretty young when she yeah. did that. I think she was like maybe nineteen or twenty when okay. she did that. But I decided not to really worry about age in that case. It doesn't really matter. It's it's the mm-hmm. it's the relationship with Jake that matters, and yeah. in the end, admittedly, my Jake is a little bit older. I'm gonna have him play younger, but he is a little my bit Jake's older. older too. So I w- I was like, all right, so I can just get any any woman who I think cause has it, she has to have that kind of innocent look and not look like she'd be the type of person to carry around an M16. Yeah, she I I I think I can't remember. It's been so long. I think I listed her as one of my '90s crushes. I can't remember. 
but uh, she's been back in the limelight because she uh, was in the Wednesday series. Uh, I oh. went with Christina Ricci. Yeah, no, that's yes. Yeah, she's not innocent looking. Isn't the right term for her, but not as Wednesday. Yeah. No, not at Wednesday. No, 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 no. I mean, not at Black Snake Moan. <laughs> not at a lot of the other stuff. Okay. But I like her as an actress. Yeah, she's definitely a crush. Uh, so yeah, I- I'm cool with that. Okay. Uh, all right. Reverend Cleophus James. Who did you go with? Yeah, this was uh, uh, James Brown in the original movie. Oh, I just made it. <laughs> 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 maybe, that, maybe that subconsciously made my decision because I picked another great from that time. I picked Bobby Brown as my <laughs> Cle- Reverend Cleophus. <laughs> I also thought it would be funny because how how much trouble he got in with the right. law and everything as did james brown bobby brown being a, a reverend i think right. just just kind of fits funnily you know in a kind of comedy for me so i almost thought about going with mc hammer uh, okay because he was a reverend at one point yeah you're right um so in the end i didn't go with him i actually went with someone older um who is a little bit more connected to the kind of the, the rhythm and blues but my reverend cleophus james was and is currently a reverend um, and has gone back and forth from doing kind of gospel-y stuff to the more secular stuff. Uh, he's he's in his 70s now, but he's uh, he's still he's done occasional things. I went with the reverend Al Green. That's where I thought you were going to go. For a second, I was like, okay, he says reverend. It's probably going to be Al Green. And then for a second, I'm like, oh, God, is he going to go with Kanye? Because Kanye no. has done some gospel. Uh no, Al Green is just one of my favorite voices of mm-hmm. all time. I think that that is perfect. And he, yeah, he would he would nail it. He he has already had many uh, uh, practice at being a reverend. Yeah. Uh, all right, Curtis, wonderfully played by Cab Calloway in the yeah. original movie. Who did you go with? So the thing with with Cab Calloway, Cab Calloway wasn't like a. I don't know. He wasn't like he wasn't an R and B guy right. like where a lot of the other musicians were. He was older because he was like the mentor figure. Yeah. Um, you know, he had some blues, but he was really more of like a jazz. And the, right. you know, when he does Minnie the Moocher, it's a jazz big band style. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm okay if I put someone older than a lot of the other contemporaries in this one. Mm-hmm. So I went with an older uh, musician. I went with an actress, or not? She's an actress and a singer, of course. And so my Curtis will be renamed Curtina. I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, it doesn't matter because I went with. Tina Turner as my Curtis. She's older. She's an icon. You know, she she has kind of a, you know, before she kind of did some like R&B kind of stuff mm-hmm. before it got, you know, kind of changed up. I think it just kind of the one to ones kind of worked a little bit for me yeah. with that. one. I'm not going to lie. I actually looked at Tina Turner for the soul food cafe owner owner. I could absolutely see um, that as well. And then I ended, I decided I just said she was she was a little too old. To, sure. to to be married to my guitar player, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I decided not to not to go that route, but uh, yeah, she was actually somebody I looked at as because be, when you're looking at this film, you you're looking at musicians really more mm-hmm. than actors, so you have to look at yep. musicians who act and all that stuff. But you know that makes total sense to me. Yeah, she's she, yeah, exactly. She's too old for some of the other you know being in the band parts or those kind of side stuff. But as the mentor type, she is I think right at that's the correct spot. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for my Curtis, I also I went back to the jazz well uh, okay. for this um, older. He is known. He's not known as a singer. He is actually known for his instrument and for his uh, work in music education. Um, but he's very well known, and uh, I've seen him. I've seen him in person talk, but I've seen him, you know, give speeches and stuff online. 
and uh, I think he would work well for this. I went with Wynton Marsalis. Oh, you know what? <clears throat> you know what? I, I love that. He, I mean, yes, he is a fantastic trumpet. It was his main yep. instrument that I think people know him from. But there was that series on PBS where he would like talk to people and then like you know has like some song stuff mm-hmm. i can't remember what it was called yeah. but i loved it he was fantastic so to me that does mean that you know he has camera work he probably could act just fine yeah so uh all right sister mary stigmata who did yes. you go with uh you gotta have an intimidating actress for this one uh you know for sticking with an actress and uh i thought of you know someone who's yeah a little bit older I think she's got an angry nun vibe. She could totally. She's been just phenomenal. She was very angry in three billboards, uh, but she is just one of us. She is a fantastic actress. I went with Frances McDormand oh, the, as my sister, I, Mary Stigmata. For a very small second, I thought you were going to go with who I went with, and then you uh, and then I wasn't sure, and then as soon as I knew who you were going with, it was like it fits perfectly in my head. Cool. That okay. I could totally see her doing that. I did go with someone who has played an angry nun. Okay. And uh, she's also uh, a very intimidating woman. She's very tall, but we've come to love her as uh, the owner in the show, Ted Lasso. But she played oh, she yeah. played the woman who stood behind shame. Cersei. Yeah, and did the shame bell. <laughs> I went with Hannah shame. Waddingham. She, she has, yes, she's got fairly broad shoulders. She is very tall. The intimidation there, mm-hmm. gorgeous woman. Yeah. You know, when you get her out of that nun suit, <laughs> whew, and I'm, uh, I'm realizing how much I wish I could have gotten her out of that nun suit. And an amazing voice too. She's yeah. a she's yep. a, a Broadway actress. Does a lot on the like the West End in London and stuff like that. A lot of musicals and stuff like that. So, in I can see her even if she doesn't sing. I think she just works well in a in a movie like this. I think that is a perfect call. I would be just as happy cool. with her. All right, the impossible task are Jake and Elwood. Could we do them together? Sure. You, you okay? You can go ahead. All right. I, I just think it's it's going to be easier because if you get if I say one, you're going to know my other. Okay. So I'm just like, let me just say them both. Did you go with Keen Peel? <laughs> <laughs> Considered. Okay. But they didn't fit my because they're you know I think they they were already kind of enough in like the hip hop group. But when I was trying to think of like, I thought of like okay, do I do Key and Peel or Keenan and Kel like going right. into country like how do you know something right. like that. Because again, because Jake and Elwood are two white boys diving into poor black music, kind and of that's thing. part of the the comedy of it. I feel, yes. and so you really do have to kind of get that aspect in. Yeah, there ha- there has to be um, you know a dichotomy between between the cultures, and so all right, I- I'm going into again going into black culture music, and so I'm going to stick with uh, probably white a- uh, actors, and I thought for a second, you know, there were a couple that I did consider with yeah staying in like even the snl world because mm-hmm. what was important to me is like i need people who have worked together because jake and l would have to have a great dynamic yeah and so i i wanted people who had worked well together and so i then i flipped my my script and said like all right who's the some of the whitest people i know and it's these two actresses but they've also done music stuff together in their comedy duo garfunkel and oats Oh. And I think so. They have some music stuff. They have some comedy stuff. They have the height differences now. Uh, so it's Ricky Lindholm and Kate Micucci. Yep. They have the height kind of differences similar. Now one's not big. They're both kind of thin, thin right. ladies, but they're both comedic. And I think there's the comedy aspect that they could turn into from of them getting into like, being loving hip hop and tying into that. Right. That I think would work. I that actually I 
just the concept of that actually sounds hilarious to me. Okay. And so cool. I, I think oh, that works I, well. And I think I'd probably, instead of Blues Brothers, I'd call it Soul Sisters. There you go. <laughs> well, so for my two, I the one of the things that does kind of work you mentioned is is the height difference. I and I kind of see it as like an almost like a Laurel and Hardy yeah. type relationship between the two of them. I'm so unfortunately, I'm not entirely sold on my Elwood. I'm sold on my Jake. I'm okay. not entirely sold on my Elwood. I did look up actors who can sing cuz they have to sing. And part of the I think one part of the comedy is that uh you know uh Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi they sing okay. I wouldn't yeah, say they're, they're the greatest singers. They sing no. okay. I did want it Be- better wanna, than Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I did want the my Jake and Elwood to be able to sing. And I've actually never heard this guy sing, but I I saw on the list that he was an actor who actually had a really good voice. Um but I needed my Elwood to be able to kind of be a straight man but still have that kind of comedy sensibility. I ended up going with John Krasinski. Okay. For Elwood. I do think I've seen him sing. Um, so that's your Elwood, yeah? That's my Elwood, yes. Okay. He Now, the thing is, he can give dry humor. Yeah. You know, not as good as, as Dan Aykroyd, in my opinion, but he does. I've seen him do that, and I, I think that could work. Okay. Uh, for Jake, I actually came to this guy pretty quick. He is older, but we'll make him look younger. But he's a musician. He's funny. And the dude's got a pretty good voice. I went with Jack Black. Oh yeah, as yeah, Jake. I get it. He is. It's the age is the only thing that would kind of kept me from it. But he has got the energy yes. that John Belushi has. And you know, I'd say if they were doing this movie 10, 15 years ago, that would have been. I mean, I, oh, that would have been a one to one. And the age yeah. is not that big of a deal. Make sure he shaves so you're not seeing his gray beard. Right. And he still has the energy he needs. I didn't I, for some reason that didn't even come into my head, but that is that is the right that is a right call. Yeah. That's I just who I paired him with with Elwood, I couldn't come up with a like a, an obvious one. Yeah. So I hopefully the two of them work together because I, I do want them to actually be brothers. Sure. Um but I just kind of immediately was like ah, Jack Black's the only one I could see. As yeah, like it's like a white guy really doing. doing I'm this with you. Stuff. I'm not sure I love Krasinski as like the brother, mm-hmm. but the Jack Black is is a great call. So who would I want to fit with him as opposed to it? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't. I'm not sure. I have the answer either. No. Oh, well. so, so yeah, yeah, but solid. Uh, all right. Well, that was our recasting of the Blues Brothers. Please join us next time for a patron-picked episode. Joseph Garcia has decided we need to talk one of his favorite albums, Siamese Dream, by the Smashing Pumpkins. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.
Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. <laughs>